Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett. I'm the creator and host of The Last Symptom. You know, the world has been kind of a turbulent place here in the last oh year, but probably even longer than that. And, you know, it, it involves uh, people of different political ideologies, people of different racial backgrounds, people of different cultural backgrounds. Uh, it just seems like everybody's at everybody's throat, doesn't it? Well, would you like to spend an hour or so uh, with two people who come from a lot of different backgrounds, even ideologically, but these two folks have uh, a really nice friendship going on. And they manage to find common ground whenever they talk. And their affection for each other is genuine. It's not put on. Well, then, today is the show for you. I have a very special guest today. Her name is Naja Hall. And we've been friends for a few years. And uh, I've been wanting to have her on the show for a while. This show is going to be a little different than most of the shows that I do. Because we're not going to be specifically addressing any uh, facet of borderline personality disorder or of emotional disorder but you know that subject will come up in our discussion because Naja does work similar to mine I'm but I'm going to let her talk about that I'm not going to talk about it right here before I introduce her would you mind tolerating me for a second while I tell you about thelastsymptom.com that's my website full of free resources Um, in addition to the free resources I also offer a couple paid resources a few paid resources uh one of them is a one-on-one phone call with me or you could have a one-on-one video zoom call with me and of course the third paid service that i now offer is the last symptom fundamentals course it's pre-recorded it's an intensive two-week course and uh, you can enroll in that right there at thelastsymptom.com it's intended for anybody who's not simply interested in treating the symptoms of emotional disorder but in really getting to the root of it and undoing it undoing those causes once and for all so that then you don't have to deal with the symptoms for the rest of your life you know that's what i did in my own authentic recovery one very exciting new free resource i offer is something i call daily orange slices now you folks probably wondering why what do oranges have to do with my work well that comes from a an article I wrote many years ago when my work was first getting started about a couple who were deficient in vitamin C. 
So in my work, uh, oranges represent authentic recovery, you know, genuine emotional health. But anyway, I've got this free service that I make available every weekday called Daily Orange Slices. These are condensed little about five minute long video insights and I make them available exclusively on the locals.com platform. There's two ways you can get there. You can go to thelastsymptom.locals.com or you can download the locals.com app to your phone and just join the the last symptom community. Daily orange slices are now also appearing on YouTube on the official The Last Symptom YouTube channel, but the ones that appear on YouTube are roughly a month old. So if you're interested in keeping up with the Daily Orange Slices or having access to the latest and greatest ones, you'll want to be on the The Last Symptom community on the Locals platform. That's all I got to say. I'm so excited for you to meet Nadja. She's a really great friend of mine. I love her to death. I know that you're going to too. One last thing I'll say about this is that I did record this as a video. So if you would like to see Nadja in action as we have this conversation, please go to the official YouTube channel of The Last Symptom and it'll all be there. Nadja, welcome and take her away. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm so pleased that you uh, agreed to do this. It's uh, it's long overdue, actually. When did we meet, though? Like, what year was that? Uh, years ago? Four years ago? Three, three or four. Two, I think it was uh, early 2018 or thereabouts. Four, over four years ago. It's been a minute. It's been too long. Like it's been too long since we sat and talked. Yeah, you had me on your show, and um, you know, at that time, I I was still pretty early in the game so uh get you now doing your thing i always knew though you know how you you get to take credit for something that you really didn't discover but i feel like i'm the one i introduced you to my audience so i can take credit for that but i was like when i found you i felt like i was opened up to um such a level of understanding and compassion for something that i did not have compassion for before and you know what i'm talking about tell us well, my name is Naja Hall. I run a couple of different platforms. I am a blended family expert, a life coach, um, relationship coach, all those good things. And I initially was in a bit of a life debacle myself because I was in very close confines with someone who I highly suspected was suffering from BPD. And of course, they had no interest in um, getting diagnosed or seeking therapy or getting help, but it was literally becoming a dark cloud over my life. Marriage, like the kids are dealing with it. It was hard. And I was on this platform called, platform called Quora. Remember Quora, Brian? Oh, we, we don't we don't talk about them. They're the bad guys. I'm kidding. No, you, you can say whatever you want to say. Okay. I complain so, about um, them a lot. Okay. <laughs> but I, that's how I um, started reading your work. And reading about your experiences, and Brian was one of the people, well, the only person that had such in-depth information, he would take time to answer people's questions, he would respond to people, and he literally shared all of his experience. And all these other people that were talking about BPD, in theory, you know, they were the people with the funny letters behind their names, and they think they know everything. But here's this person that has had this life experience. And so 
I don't know about y'all, but when I hear somebody that has like a life experience with something, I kind of want to hear what they have to say. And so that's how Brian and I got connected. This was before he blew up and he was like available and his inbox was open. But I was like, <laughs> Brian, my name is Naja. Da, 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 da. So we became friends. <laughs> Man, I was excited. I was really excited to get to talk to you. Um, I, of course, I didn't know anything about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you are originally from Tennessee. Born and raised in Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, to be exact. Um, there's really not much to tell. You know, Tennessee is like a black and white town. I have not lived there since I left for high school. So college, freshman year, as soon as I graduated from high school, freshman year, I moved away to Martin, Tennessee, <laughs> which is literally a podunk town. I've seen, I've looked it up on the map after you've mentioned it. You and, know, Martin? Uh, anytime I drive south, I end up typically driving through Tennessee and my mentor, I used to go on vacation with him and his family, and we, okay. would, uh, we would vacation in Tennessee. He, he was Cherokee Indian, so there's a Cherokee reservation down there in the Smokies. And uh, so on our way to the beach, which is funny because it's not on the way to the beach from yeah. where we're coming from, but we would go through the Smokies on the way to like South Carolina. How amazing is that? You're like, oh, I'm on the way to the beach, but I'm going through the Smokies. You know, Tennessee has so much rich agriculture. We have mountains. We have um, like we have bodies of water. I wouldn't personally swim in them, but it's just me. <laughs> we have. Would you, eat, would you eat the fish out of them? I eat the fish out of a lake. You know, I know how to clean a fish. I can clean even with these nails nowadays. I know how to clean a fish. Figure from Tennessee, you, should, you got to. It's kind of a prerequisite, right? You know, like in the South, we, I didn't grow up with any dietary restrictions. I didn't know what a gluten free was. We. We ate, we eat pork. Like, you know, there's people with all these dietary restrictions. And by the way, I live in New York City now. So those of you that can imagine, like, it's such a big cultural difference from growing up in Tennessee where outside lifestyle, everybody's friendly, green, gray, kind of friendly because Memphis does have a first 48. So be careful. Um, and then coming here to New York where, you know, it's just different cultures and different way of doing things and it's fast paced. So um, I've been here for 12, uh, since 2007. So yeah, is that 12 years? I can't add right now. 13 years? Are you nervous? I meant to ask you that first. Are you nervous, nervous about yeah? About what? Being on this show, being on camera. Yeah, I'm so scared. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> you know, I saw uh I'm nervous, by the way. Yeah. What? I, yeah, I've been nervous all afternoon thinking about this. Brian. Sure. You have not. I don't believe you. One of the most elegant people I know. <laughs> Yeah, and you, you know, the thing is, is that but you've you liked me. This, me though. You've liked me for this long. I figure, man, I could really fuck it all up tonight. <laughs> you could. I could but be I'm, like, you know what? Click. I don't think I'm nervous. I'm an open book. I'm happy that you invited me on to speak to you and your audience. And um, I'm a, you know, I know how to say I don't know. I know how when I am outgunned, if you hit something, a point where I just have no clue, I'm going to tell you. So, oh, no. we're not going to put you on the spot with anything like okay. that tonight, <laughs> but we want to get to know you a little bit. Why don't you tell us what you do there in New York? I mean, you've got a pretty good following yourself. And just a little bit of a backstory. I, when I, I was there, I guess I can kind of segue. So, I was looking for Brian because um, I'm in a blended family. A lot of you know what a blended family is. Um, that means kids are not being raised by parents or parents are recoupled or someone has divorced or died or something. 
And I'm in a blended family. And one of the people in my blended family is like, you know, just was a very problematic person, not just for me, but for everyone. You're going to great lengths to not tell us who this person is. And I would say that's out of respect. Just out of respect, you know, for myself. I can't really say for that person because they kind of burn bridges, but out of just out of respect for me, you know, I try to, I, when I have conversations like this, I always want to go back and say, you know, and look at it and be like, dang, Naja, I don't want to be like, Naja, why'd you say that? Or did you need to say that? Or if the kids are watching one day, it's like, oh, wow, is she talking about so-and-so? But you guys can go and look at my social media. I'm an open book. If you want to know, go and see for yourself because I don't really keep it a secret. Um, Tell us about your, your work titles. Uh, so I am a blended family expert. I am also a certified life coach, certified family life educator. And I like to call myself a life coach. Part of that, me breaking down into that story was one of the people was very problematic. And that led, and as you all know, when there's one problematic piece of your family, it kind of makes everybody feel a little imbalanced. And so that was that's what was happening. Hence me going and seeking Brian's help. Uh, seeking his expertise. And so over the years, I myself have become an expert in helping people in blended families to find their way back towards some sort of normal or to try to redefine what their new normal is going to be. And with the life coaching aspect, I also help people that are individuals that are stuck or people in relationship, like couples or kids or, you know, I talk to people all freaking day, all day. I talk, I get to help people that are kind of stuck. So I, somebody help me think of a good title for that. I don't know what that could be. So right now, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, that's my that's my poor English. I reckon what I was asking was, can you give us your bit the names the names of the different banners that you operate under? Okay, um, I have two right now. One is blended and black, blendedandblack.com, and the other is VIP stepmom. So uh, blended in black is for people in blended families. I don't care if you're black, white, green, yellow. If you're in a blended family, I want you to follow that page. I want you to come to that page. This is where you're going to come to get your blended family help. And since I am a stepmother, and um, it's probably been one of the biggest personal challenges of my life, I had to create something just for stepmoms. So if you're a stepmother, meaning you're recoupled with a partner that has children from a previous situation, that and you're finding yourself... Um, feeling uncomfortable, out of sorts, angry, resentful, whatever, then VIP Stepmom is for you. Uh, you've been doing this for how long? Six years. Six years. Six years. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I never thought, I, you couldn't have paid me to think I'd be doing this for a living, but I've been able to make a living from helping people in situations like this. Because you know, people out there are suffering, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I bet this pandemic has really, um, <clears throat> for some of, the people that you work with, I imagine it's, it's really put them on edge. I've seen a lot of breakups. Um, statistically, divorce has gone up. Divorce has gone up. Um, and we saw the stats in Wuhan, China, when the uh, pandemic first started here in the U.S. And so, oh, really? You were paying attention to that? I was paying attention because, you know, that's my job. You know, That's pretty insightful, yeah. I was like, what's happening in the world? What is this pandemic going to do for love and relationships? Because that's my forte. So the divorce rate shot up 20%. Can you believe that? In Wuhan, China. So I was like, all right, the pandemic is going to come here. And guess what happened in America? Divorce rate has also shot up for us. I don't know the percentage as of today, but it. We, I think we last time I checked, it was like 17%. So people are suffering. 
And I also think that um, we're starting to spend all this time with this person, Brian. And we're like, yeah, right, right. Hey, you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. People that uh, maybe we've never spent time with before. No, you have the <laughs> like we had the comfort of going to work or going to the bar to hang out with our friends. But now it's like, oh, we're stuck home together. You're like, I really effing hate you. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, number one, what do you think about the vaccine? Number two, are you going to get it? And number three, uh, how soon do you think you could get it if you wanted to? Okay, number one. I don't judge anybody that feels like they need the vaccine. You know, if you feel like you need it, do what you got to do for you. I'm also a person that, you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, a paper mask that we're wearing. Some people are like paper masks are stupid. I'm not going to wear it. However, I know that like America is one of the most problematic blended families in the world. As a family expert, we need a lot of help. There's so much. That's a very good. That is a very nice analogy. I called the White House. I was like, y'all don't need a president. Y'all need a damn blended family expert because we have a lot of moving parts and none of us can manage to stay on the same page. And so one thing I realized when you have a large group of people, yeah, everybody might think a paper mask is stupid. Some people are, they're, they're fighting for us to wear these masks, Brian. But I was like, if it looks good for the community, I'm going to wear a mask. Now, as far as getting my own, what was the next question? Am I going to get the vaccine? Well, Brian, yeah, you've, you you can tell us or you don't have to. I, I, I don't mind you. telling you. Um, I haven't had a flu shot, Brian, ever in my life. And consequently, I've never had the flu. Um, I got test, I tested positive for COVID in July, and I had I didn't have one symptom. Not one symptom. You did test positive. Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. My parents, no kidding. We all tested positive. My mom and dad were extremely ill. And I was like, okay, I'm driving you guys to get the test. Let me just get it too. And we are, all three of us tested positive. But, you know, I felt nothing. I was still jogging, still doing, like, still working, all that stuff. And am I going to get it? I'm not in a hurry, you know? And, you know, I don't really. Um, well, I mean, you, I'm not in a let's hurry. Let's see, when did you say you had it? Back in Ju- July? July? Yes. Yeah. So your, your immunity probably is long since worn off if you did have it there. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah. You know, if that's the way it works. I think um, if they start to, if they start something where they're forcing us to get it um, or you can't travel or you can't go anywhere, you got to show a card, you know, that like whole herd thing really scares me. But I don't know. I, I just have never had a flu shot. There's other vaccines we've had to take. So um, I'm interesting. Any high risk. Well, people. you know, when you're talking about the flu, it, um, here's one th- cultural thing that I run into when I was living in Philly mm-hmm. was that what, what we call the flu, they don't call that the flu. I mean, you gotta be like on your deathbed before yeah. they say that you had the flu yeah. but for us, <laughs> for us, it's fever, chills, uh, you know, body aches, uh, definitely sore throat, uh, congestion stuff. I just have not felt that before. And I was like, well, I'm not right. saying that I'm immune to COVID clearly I'm not, but, um, my level of trust you know, once we, yeah, this is not about conspiracy theories at all or beliefs on that, but my level of trust on what's in that vaccine, I'm just going to kind of wait on everybody else to get it. And if y'all don't start growing tails, <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, but to be men, I'm not in a man, I just want I you to know, it makes, it makes your penises larger. See, well then I, I'm sure but, the line would be wrapped around you. the building. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it would, but um, okay, it, I, I don't even qualify for it. To answer your last question, I don't qualify for it right now. Here's what I'll say about the masks. 
I personally think that given time, now I'm just going to, this is in total agreement with what you just said about masks. I think they're bunk. Now, me thinking they're bunk doesn't mean that they're bunk. It just means that I suspect that they are. And I suspect that given time and the absence of politics in the conversation, I think that science might eventually show that. But it comes down to risk management. Yes. Risk management says that if if it's not too troublesome and it doesn't hurt you, but the potential might be great, why not do it? Why not do it? So that's when I started wearing the mask. I don't want that to be the hill I die on. That's not going to be the point that I protest. I'm not going <laughs> to go into Starbucks that's a good without point. a mask because yeah. I have so much bigger shit to think about. Wearing a mask for a group of people that think if it makes other Americans feel like they're a little bit safer, then I want to contribute to that. I want to contribute to people's peace. Right. Yeah, that is a benefit. That's and it doesn't benefit. hurt me one bit. I put it off for a while, but... Uh, you did? I, I, yeah, there, I, there was a time back in, I think it was July, uh, I was going into a Menards or something like that. Not here, because we don't have anything like that. We've got like Piggly Wiggly and Walmart. <laughs> but uh, I was in a nearby city, and I went in and they said, sir, you have to wear a mask. And I said, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I was going <clears> to, <throat> I mean, I was upset that about guy. it. But you this was that early guy. on. I was, the, it, this was very early on. And there were a lot of us guys like that. Oh my God. I know. I saw, I saw on Facebook. I saw on Instagram. I'm like, guys, you're being assholes. Put it on. It's like, it's not hurting you. I saw trying to get doctor's notes. Like they don't, I, my doctor said I can't wear a mask. I'm like, girl, put the damn mask on. Like, right. you know, I well, feel like it's cool that every people want a cause, but I was like, there are larger causes that we can all contribute to. I think, I think that at least I can, I can only speak for myself. Mm-hmm. The issue for me was not the mask. The mm-hmm. issue for me was being told I have to do something like wear a mask. Now, if they had said, you know, if they had suggested it, if they had rolled it out like a suggestion, I would have been much quicker to to put a mask on. I so for you, it. it was about, you're like, oh, this is tone. Were you tone policing? You're like, I don't like the way you said that. You should have made a No, no, it wasn't the tone. It was the principle. I mean, you're you're from the South. You know how we are. Mm-hmm. We're... Well, you we got to like think about freedom. my cultural experience in the South. In the South, people that looked like me were submissive. They were enslaved. So everybody that looked like me automatically has this mentality of let me fall in line of the law. If I don't, there are grand consequences. Now, so, I've since grown out of that because I'll buck the system now. But <laughs> it took well, years uh, of unlearning. Um, very if they said, uh, to put it into context, now, let's say that they told you tomorrow. And by they, I'm talking about the government, the, official, the officials. Yeah. They said, you have to get the vaccine. Uh, they said that, Brian, I would be torn between do I move into the Appalachian Mountains uh, next to Brian and go off the grid or do I continue my life as is and hope for the best? So, so you see that wanting to invade like, OK, cool. Me putting on a mask, I can take that off. You know, I don't feel I still have autonomy over my own body. I can sure. take but a vaccine in me? Right. That, it's a little bit more invasive. Hell yeah, it's uh-huh. way more invasive. It. It's so, way more invasive. So, yeah, but what I, I'm just trying to highlight that from my perspective, it mm-hmm. was that type of invasive on as far as my freedoms go, my yes. like my individual freedoms. I think it's really right, cool I don't, to feel like that is one thing that 
violates your freedoms. I think that is such a privilege to be like, oh, I'm not going to wear a mask. It's violating my freedoms when at the same time, look at the other things that were happening in the country. So I just didn't give a damn about masks. It's craziness, yeah. Protesting, <laughs> where Black Lives Matter, where this, where that. And I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm going to say this. I minimize, personally, I minimize the plight of the people that um, were complaining about wearing masks because from my personal perspective, I was like, there's life and death issues happening. People are dying from COVID. Um, we had this race crisis that was conveniently happening at the same time. Like, with a lot of us thought through all that stuff. But still, you know, I've, I've talked to other people who have uh, connected those two things. Yeah, I was like, y'all, it's a lot of stuff happening at one time now. This does, I was like, no one else sees this. And there were a lot of us that saw it. But again, when you have world powers banding together, you got the internet showing Italy, Morocco, South Africa, New York, Los Angeles, like all these people in the streets wearing masks. I think it added to the hysteria. And it really made a lot of us, um, us, I'm including myself in this, afraid sure. to go against the grain, you know? Yeah. You remember uh, the Italians singing out on their balconies? That was kind of an iconic moment in the pandemic. I, rem- I remember, um, was it like they were performing? or No, no. It was just the residents in this neighborhood in Italy. They were out on their balconies. They were singing the Italian national I, anthem or something I like that. I saw so many cool videos of humanity. You know, one thing that I know that the system would like for us to think is that we're so much different. Um, but I also know it benefits the system and the, the 1% that's controlling everything. It benefits them for us to think that we're separate. For sure. us to hate one another, for us to <clears throat> be fighting over the scraps that they allot to us. But I see way past that. And I wish other people could just wake up one day and be like, wait a minute. We're down here fighting over scraps while you guys are living in high rises. Let's burn this. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. You know, it's like us human beings, we celebrate diversity in everything. Yeah. Except for in people. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. I mean, if you go to a restaurant, you want the most diverse menu you can get. Right. You go into like a a shopping district. You want the most diversity in your shopping as that you can be. And then we get to people and we're like, nope, you got to be like me. One thing I learned is we want to. It's very easy to group a person. I need to be able to group you real fast. Like, let's just say we're you're meeting in a bar. Yeah. Scan the room. I need to see who's going to be to my advantage. Okay, there's Brian. Hey, what's your name, Brian? Oh, what do you do? That's one of the first questions we ask a person, right? I don't do that anymore. Um, Oh, I hate that question. I don't even know what... (laughs) You know how you struggled at the beginning to say, give yourself a title. Yeah. People are asking me all the time, uh, and I'm like, I don't... I'm a speaker. I'm a presenter. I'm a... I know. And it's just like, God, and people are like, you're not sure about you, what you do. I'm like, well, no, like I just do so much. Or sometimes I do nothing. But, you know, also I just don't identify myself as, as what, as being what I do, what I do and who I am. Two different things. If you want to get to know me, I mean, I can see how that's beneficial to know what I do, but it's such a small part, you know, of who I am. But, you know, the thing that I was saying is we have, I need to be able to quantify how I can use you in my life. So I'm going to meet you. What do you do? Okay, Brian is this. This is how much money he makes. Oh, maybe he has this much influence. Maybe he can introduce me to this. Like in my mind, when people ask, oh, hey, your name is Naja. What do you do? Oh, 
where are you from? Like people are trying to box you. It's kind of a self-serving thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it helps me to learn quick facts about you, but I base them on on my own perceptions. You know, so that's humans. Humans, we got to be able to group you. Because I can't. That's very interesting. Well, that's an actual psychological thing. That's an actual psychological thing. You know, um, absolutely. We we look for patterns. uh, Yes. And because. Uh, and those are mostly it, wrong, though, Brian. You know, like the patterns. Well, sure, yeah, it's a uh, logical fallacies. Yeah. Logical fallacies are the brain trying to identify patterns in life, but but misreading the the information. Mm-hmm. And I think as a whole, most people don't how to don't know how to read these uh, patterns, which hence the fifty percent uh, divorce rate of first marriages. It's like. We don't know how to read one another as well as we think we do. And there hasn't been a system put in place yet. Maybe me and you need to come up with that to kind of help people unlearn um, these patterns, these false thought patterns. It'd be a lot of learning. But. Correct, correct my figures if I'm wrong. I think it's 50% for first-time marriages yes. and 70% for second-time marriages. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Like, how crazy is that? Yeah, it's uh, well. I talked about that on my show. Uh, I mean, I talked that about that with my audience, mm-hmm. and um, the reason I explained why that is is because a lot of people think that having a successful marriage is all about finding the right person who compliments you, and so when the first marriage doesn't work, these two people who live with these kind of unhealthy notions of what relationships are, go off and they do the same thing. Um, thing. When I worked in the hospital, I I went to a seminar about traumatic brain injury. And afterwards, I got to talk to the surgeon. And I said, I'm just curious, what is the number one risk factor for traumatic brain injury? You'll never believe what his answer was. What is the number one risk factor for a traumatic brain injury? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't even have a clue. Get this. Get this. You, you'll probably be able to use this in your work. Okay. <laughs> the number one risk factor, believe it or not, for, tra- for traumatic brain injury is if you've already had a traumatic brain injury. And do you know why that is? Because people don't change their lifestyles. So if I'm riding my bike without a helmet... Boom. Bingo. I'm going to go and do it again? Maybe not exactly that thing, but you're taking the same type of risks in life. Which is, um, I guess I can correlate that exactly to what you said, because um, one thing I was talking to this counselor, I was like, why is that second marriage failure rate so high? Just what you said. He's like, people are going into it literally being the same person they were before, same patterns. And he was like, now they know divorce is an option. Now it's possible. So the minute we hit a problem, you know what? Let me go down to the courthouse. Let's let's write this thing off. Right, right. It's it's that rate of uh, what did you call it? Uh, not recurrence. What did you call it? Did I call it? Yeah. What do you call it? Like you said, the uh, the rate at which. Oh. Uh, Come on, Brian. Don't worry. I'll edit Are this. Are you getting so nervous? Sound... I, I'll edit this so we just sound wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but. Brian, I think you were talking can about that. Can I say something? Uh, yeah. I noticed that you cut your beard off. I literally just, I've been looking at you all this time for 30 minutes and you cut your beard off. I what? did it today. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. Uh, you look different. Like three. I know. I look, 
What made you cut it off? I'm not uh, saying I don't like it. I cut my hair and I cut my beard, and I did that. It was it was like twelve o'clock today. I mean, it took me a long time. It took me like an hour and twenty minutes to get all that hair off of me. The beard and like the haircut. Yeah, I do. I, I've been cutting my own hair for um, six years. You did some serious manscaping today, then. Oh well, I'll tell you the other parts <laughs> later. Boo. <laughs> That was that was like an hour and thirty minutes just in and of, of itself. Okay, goodbye. You know what? <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I, I've been cutting my hair for about six years, and a, a lot of that had to do with when I was going through my recovery from borderline personality disorder. I, I didn't have a scent. I mean, I I had yeah. a scent, but I didn't have two cents. You didn't and, have um, extra money to go and get another. No, so you know, I got uh, paid one day and I, I needed a haircut and I thought, well, for $50, I can go get a beautiful haircut or I can buy myself some buzzers. A haircut is 50 bucks. Well, 30, but then I always tip 20 because I, I really appreciate the, somebody touching yeah. my greasy hair. <laughs> I never actually ever knew the cost of, because well, I guess well, like, I'm going to go to the barber, and I know what he plays for his hair type, but I never knew. Have you seen Disney's Soul? No, I haven't watched it. Okay, well, the only reason I ask is because I saw, like, the behind the scenes of that. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys who was one of the writers on there, he was African-American. He said he fought tooth and nail to get the barbershop scene in there he said because he just so identifies with that as a as a black Part of man the experience yeah the experience of that i don't go to a barber um i stopped going to a barber years ago okay i always go my, my policy is this if somebody's going to cut my hair has to be a woman or it has to be a gay man <laughs> what? that's true because think about it if if i just get joe blow cut my hair he doesn't care what i look like He's he's giving me the same haircut he gives everybody. But if like, he's not going to take pride in his work, right? He's right, like, right. Okay, okay. A woman wants a woman wants me to look good, and mm-hmm. a gay man wants to bring out whatever makes me look as good as I can look. Yeah, so. I can say this. I've never had a straight man do my hair or makeup. So I, yeah, you're right. That's just not yeah, not one ever. So anyway, because I go to these salons, like these woman salons, uh, I might I might pay a little bit more than your husband does. I'm not sure. Okay, okay, because you know, like he'll go every week, every Friday, every week, every week. Like black community, you got to have a fresh edge up every Friday. Like unless well, a lot of hair, dreadlocks, but like you that's said, that's what this guy from Pixar was saying. He said yeah. before I go to an event, he said first stop would be the the barbershop. You gotta get a crispy. Like it's just, it's a cultural thing. So, um, in the barbershop, the beauty shop is such a big staple for us. A lot of us culturally, I personally have not uh, been to a beauty shop in over twenty years, just because I, you know, I do my own hair and, and stuff, and I hated going to the beauty shop because it's an all day thing, all day, whole. Really? They tell you your appointments at eleven. They might start on your hair at one thirty. Then they got to take a lunch break. And then you're going to be there all damn night. So, no, I didn't like that. I was like, I can just learn how to do this myself. Would your husband say that the same thing that this guy from Pixar was saying, that it's kind of like 
you know, you're catching up like on all the gossip, the the world news. And he oh said, my God. one thing he said was that I thought was really interesting. He said, you could be like a mailman, but you go mm-hmm. into the barbershop and you've got doctors and lawyers, yes. but you're on an equal plane with them in the barbershop. The socioeconomic thing, who nobody gives a damn about that. You are literally coming to get your hair done. And some guys are in the barbershop conversations. They're aggressive. They're talking about the latest news. Some just go to observe and laugh. Some guys are going there to learn how to um, emulate manhood. Some may have never had father figures. And so this is where they're getting their ideal of what it means to be a man. So, yeah, it's like a, it's a big deal. It's That's a big pretty deal. cool. Yeah. I want to ask you questions about you in New York. I yes. would like to know, like, what, what took you to New York? <sighs> I was in corporate America, Brian. I was a buyer for um, this company down in Dallas, Texas. I lived in Dallas for four years, went to grad school there. And I realized that my talents were being wasted in a cubicle, honestly. I hated it. Like, and corporate America hated me. And I just wasn't good at my job. But there were so many other things that I was good at. Like, I joined this dinner theater I had to, I was working all day as a corporate executive and then I was doing dinner theater at night and I wasn't getting paid for that, but I loved it. So I was like, all right, Naja, you might need to be doing something where you're talking to people. And so I had a friend that. Was- so when you say you were doing dinner theater, you yeah. mean you were acting? Yeah, I was acting. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was acting. I was acting. I was, and I don't know if you guys have ever been to any like theater, dinner theaters. Have, have you been to like, you know what that is? Um, from cable guy, I do like, um, that's, that's kind of like dinner theater, right? It's, uh, I don't remember what happened to cable guy. Uh, they go to a restaurant where it's like nights, nights jostling. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then, Brian, I had so much fun doing that and, um, the expressive part of it. And so I had a friend who was living in New York city that was from my hometown, Memphis, Tennessee. And I was just like, man, you know, I'm, I, I I don't like corporate America. I'm being stifled. He was like, come visit New York. And I came and visited and looked around the city. I was like, oh my God, this is where I need to be. Was that the first time you'd been there? First time ever. First time I'd ever been here. So that would have been like right around 2006, seven? Probably six. Yep. Okay. 2006, uh, seven, six. So I came there to visit. And so I was like, okay, cool. While I was here, I was on Craigslist because remember back in the day, Craigslist, you couldn't get killed really on Craigslist. And, <laughs> well, and so it was, was less likely. Less, less likely. Less, yeah, sorry. And I saw this audition for a radio. They were looking for like a radio hostess or a co-host. And I was like, all right, you know what, Naja, you don't live here, but just see if you can do it. And so I show up at this audition. It's outside of Radio City Music Hall, this long ass line. And so I'm seeing all these professionals, like people I had seen on TV. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, there's so-and-so. Like, oh. And so I didn't have a headshot. I didn't know what a headshot was. I didn't have a radio reel. I didn't have any video. I had nothing. And so I walk in, and finally, my turn comes up. And they're like, okay, you know, what's your name? Boom, this is my name. And then there's this panel of people sitting there, like these serious, you know, decision-making, looking people. And they were like, all right, so, um, you know, how'd you hear about the audition? I was like, I mean, shit, I just saw the line outside and figured I'd get in it. And they thought that was the funniest thing ever. And then they were like, well, do you have video? Do you have this? I was like, I don't have anything. Let me just be quite honest. And I was honest with them. I was like, I don't have shit. I said, but I have the desire. I can do this. And, you know, it was just a lot of fun. And I made them laugh. And I was like, you know, once I make somebody laugh, got your ass. Got them. 
And so uh, I ended up getting that job, ended up booking the job. So I had to hurry up. Get- what was the audience like? Do you know what the pop, uh, the um, the numbers of your audience were on that show? So the audience was 100%. Um, when we first started that show, was all in the West Indies. Literally all in the West Indies. So it was mil- in the millions. So they hired a girl from... T- really? I'm in the millions? Yeah. They hired a girl from Tennessee to host radio all over the West Indies. And you know what? When soon, so I let go of my life, hurry up and packed up stuff. In a matter of... They gave me like 34 days so to wrap my life up. And I was like, hey, corporate America, boop, I'm out. Took my dog to Tennessee, who's still alive. My sister's taking care of the dog now. So I do pay support, by the way. Um, got rid of my car, closed up the apartment, put everything in storage, and came up here and never looked back. And that particular job uh, took me all over the Caribbean and then ultimately all over the world. I mean, we got to travel to every single little and big island that you can think of. So it was wow. exciting. That's pretty cool. So that yeah, was 15 yeah. 15 years ago. And, and that's how kind of how I got here. Well, that's amazing. I didn't know any of this about you. Yeah, I should start sharing it. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of curious about how uh, then you came into uh, contact with your husband. We, I, I tell people I ordered him on the internet, Brian. Does he have a blow up valve? We met on a dating app. <laughs> and that was after you got to New York? Oh, that was way after. I didn't meet him until 2013. Oh, okay. Well, that'll lead us that'll lead us into this yes, next question. Yes, I was a single then. girl living the sex in the city life for many years. Your secret's safe with uh, all 350,000 <laughs> of us. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so I had all the experience in, in between then. <laughs> so, we were talking, okay, so you said you met him on a dating app was that the the catalyst for you choosing the theme of the work that you do now 1000% because um he's a divorced dad and you know you're a divorced dad yourself so you know sometimes with divorce you got some baggage not calling children bag- baggage um sure. but just all the other stuff that comes along with you dismantling your life from a person and divorce yeah. divorce was not cute it was not amicable it was problematic and because of that, I started to feel the after effects of that. And so me reaching out to people, like trying to find some sort of resources, like I really like this guy, but what the hell? Like there was just so much other, like me and him, cool in this little corner. So amazing, so peaceful, it's beautiful. But then all this other stuff, pure havoc. And so I was at a point to where I had to make a decision, like, okay, do you choose yourself and leave all of the havoc? Do you find a way And, you know, me finding you was me finding a way to deal with type personality types that I'd never encountered in my damn life and still have not to this day. So when I said some of the people in my blended family, I mean, you guys, you can deduce if you like. But, yeah, I was just presented with things in this blended family situation that were not conducive to my peace or my peace of mind. Ms. Naja doesn't do stress or anxiety well at all. And I found myself living in that. So then um, now I'm curious. This is not a question I was planning on asking you, but I'm okay. curious about it. Um, what kind of family did you come from? Mom and dad are still married. Uh, been married 40-something years now. Parents are still crazy as heck. Um, their parents were, my father's parents were both still married until they passed away. My mom's mom, um, 
comes my mom comes from a family of divorce and uh, yeah but mom and dad still married my dad took me to school every day from kindergarten to senior year of high school made my lunch every day um i still talk to him every day your dad yeah me and do you mom, have do you have siblings i do i have twin sisters we're actually um their birthday was yesterday so we're taking a sister trip to jamaica uh next wednesday we're leaving excellent yeah so man uh, that's one of the perks of living in new york man you can just get on the airport Airplane go anywhere. Jamaica is right next door. You know, everything is so close to us over here. Right, yeah. And, you know, and flights are so cheap. So. And so uh, you're only, sis- only sisters? Yeah, all girls. All girls. Yeah. And Growing up, my dad, we always had male dogs. And my dad was like, I need some other male energy in this house besides me. <laughs> so we always, but you guess how we balance that out? We got poodles. We always had poodles, so take that, Dad. Well, speaking about balance, I think that was probably <laughs> God's way of balancing him out. Yes, you know what? I, you know, I think I heard some guy make a quote. They were like, "Yeah, men with all doors, you can tell they were hell back in the day." I was like, "Are you saying that we're payback? Is that what you're saying?" I don't think we're karma. Um, you don't think so? What he was doing? I think sure. you know. I was convinced that I was going to have a son, but nothing there. There, there's no greater poetic justice than me oh, having justice. a daughter. Than me having a daughter, yeah, because it it's it balanced me out. Yeah, you know, yeah. now when I deal with women, they're not just um, women, right? They're, they're somebody's people. daughter, right? They're right. people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a really good thing for me, and yeah. I think I'm a pretty good dad. So it's a good thing for her too. <laughs> It kind of works out for you both then, right? It's it like, works out for us both, yeah. So it's yeah, not payback. Yeah. It's not payback. It's more like a, a compliment to things, I guess. Yes. It gives right, you, let I, me ask you about the a couple more things about New York. Yes. Uh, culture shock. Do you okay. remember any culture shock? Oh, God. So I remember um, I was at a dinner with some girls that I had hooked up with. Just, you know, different... Homegirls that we like my circle of friends. This beautiful muy bonito Puerto Rican. Mm. We're still friends now. Listen to that. Um, <laughs> I, I quickly, and this was not intentionally, I had like a super diverse group of girlfriends. And we were all at dinner and they invited some friends. I'm a Christian person from the South. You know, I'm not I don't wear it on my on my head, but it's something that I carry with me, you know. But I also don't really care what other people are. That's your deal. Mm-hmm. At the table, I'm ordering my pork chop because I don't have a problem with that. And then this guy <laughs> was like, Ugh. he starts getting so nasty with me. He was like, ew, women that eat pork smell. He was like, you're dirty. No pork on my fork. No swine on my mind. And he tried to shame me because I ordered pork. And, and I'm just like, yo, dude, I'm from Tennessee. I will bust your ass. Like, you. <laughs> and so it was just. That was like one of the first cultural things that I saw because in the South, t- from Tennessee to Texas to New York, I'm like super Southern. Oh, yeah. Coming here with people that were shaming me for doing something that I took pride in doing. Like, you know, that was one thing. That's one of the things that still sticks out. Uh, but, you know, just being different cultures. In my building, the lady next door, um, I don't even know where she was from. I still don't remember, but I remember her food would smell up our entire floor. It smelled like gym socks, like for years. Ew. What kind of food is she? I don't know what she. I don't. I have no clue. But I just maybe I don't know. Shit. Maybe she was boiling gym socks. But um, 
that's one of the things that taught me cultural sensitivity because I'm just like, she makes this damn gym sock soup every day. <laughs> Clearly, I need to get, I'm not accustomed to it. I need to get used to this. <laughs> I, okay, Naja, you need to get used to this because this is how, um, oh, if you come great. to New York City, taking the train is going to give you a very quick lesson in number one, how to keep your damn mouth shut, how to mind your business. And you're going to get a really awesome cultural experience. You might get robbed. Um, you might have a homeless person to call to you. The very first time I had a homeless person throw food back at me was on the New York City subway. Like, throw food back at you? Yeah, I'm like, hey, you know, they're like, hey, do you have any food? I was like, I, you don't have anything? I was like, well, I don't have any, I don't have money, but um, I think I just left the grocery store. So I was like, hey, you know, I, I have this stuff. And he was like, I don't want this shit. <laughs> I was like, you're kidding. Wow, only in New York City, yeah. Well, you must be doing pretty good then if you're not that desperate for must man, not be. I, I mean, was worse off than he. I was worse off than he was then for a while there because. <laughs> and you, I, mean, I would, I would have eaten that lady's gym sock soup. <laughs> every day, every day, gym sock soup. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna I learned cultural sensitivity. I learned that my way is not always right. Some people might be mad at me for saying this, but I learned and appreciate that there are so many paths to God. And we call him, her, or they something different. You know, I, I learned to be super open-minded. I went to pray in a mosque. I've been to the synagogue to worship. I've been to Jamo. Like, I've, you know, I made sure I immersed myself in just understanding. And one thing I realized is people are so stupid and we are all so the same. You know, we have different yeah. little things that make us unique, but... We ain't that different, you know? That's why psychology is kind of nice. I, I've said that I think psychology, if you're going to study like anything, to understand life, to understand, even science, you know, like take science, people still have to interpret the results of a study. There, you, There's still people in the middle of the results yeah. and the way that study is conducted and, and, you know, their biases and everything like that. So even science, if you really want to put it into context, and understand the results of scientific studies and the way people are interpreting them and stuff, you, you got to understand psychology, just the way Absolutely. people are, you know, Absolutely. what it is to be a person. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I do the job I do, Brian, because the circumstance that I was presented with, I needed to understand this particular human's behavior. I, I did not understand it and I didn't want to take it personally but I was so confused, enamored, in awe, actually, at someone's commitment to being mean, nasty, hateful, and unearthing all of that stuff, learning their traumas, learning what really makes them tick, learning that they are led by fear, the psychology behind it all. Um, yeah. That led me to doing the, be doing the job I do, because now I feel like I really understand what makes us tick. It's really nice, isn't it, uh, when you're dealing with a situation, you know, as far as people go. And they're just, it's just the, they're bewildering. But then you figure out the underlying perspectives and attitudes that they're working with. Right. And suddenly it's not mysterious anymore. It makes perfect sense. Yep, exactly. Gives you context. I think psychology um, or, you know, whatever. I feel like it'd be cool if it, we even gave it a new name, you know? Because uh, psychology is like this, it's kind of this. It does have a stigma, doesn't it? Yeah. It does, but I kind of feel like my process was, you know how you were little, you get a toy train and you would want to take it apart. 
and see what makes it tick. You look at the gears and try to put it back together yourself. In my mind, um, that's what I was hoping to do. I was like, what makes this tick? What makes this particular human being tick? While there's nothing I could mm. do to put them back together and rebuild them, at least would it help me, help me to understand how to approach them when they go off the rails. Or when they come in my lane, it, you know, this will help me to understand how to circumvent their, their mood swings, their part of their disorder, you know? Well, I'm all about creating new terms. <laughs> Me, all yeah, about but, shedding off the old terms and create new ones. So, because why I'm just, not? You know, Brian. Like, look, it's time. Out with the. I'm old just uh, making a note of this here because the, I'm I'm going to try to follow up on this. Okay. Okay. Heck yeah. I'll ru- I'll run some ideas by you because I, I okay. think you're onto something there. Yeah. I was, good. Please do that. I'm glad you're writing this down because I'll just I'm freestyling. You know, and like this this life culture thing doesn't work out. I'm going to be a freestyle rapper because that's what I do. I think you could go head to head with uh, uh, snow. Huh? What? Snow. <laughs> oh my God. Right. About? Like 1992, was it? Or I don't know, 1989. What's that you're drinking? What well, ain't coffee? <laughs> it's uh, yerba mate. What is that? That is an Argentine caffeine style type tea drink you're like i drink tea i'm too deep to drink tea i drink no i like tea too i like tea too but i had um i had an argentine girlfriend okay in philly and she introduced philly what was she doing in philly oh man philly is loaded full of latinos and okay a very large diversity i was gonna ask you flavor right you 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 prefer latino women I, lo- I like women. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having a preference, Brian. Like, I, I, there is nothing wrong with having a preference in a type of person you date. And I've, I've seen, like, I know for some people that could be a loaded question because it's like, oh my God, are you saying that she's not beautiful and this is not attractive or are you racist? But it's like, at a certain point, it's like, I'm human and I like what the hell I like. So you need to back off. No, I mean, I like, I, I really, I think I have a natural attraction to all women of color. Okay. I, I, I have a natural attraction to all um, darker skinned women, but, but I mean, I have a natural attraction to all women. <laughs> so, I mean, so it's you really. Like the, you like the United Nations and you just, you just. I am. I mean, I like. Everybody all like who? I like all, I mean, it's like. You like party I, over here. <laughs> well, you know, there's a joke. I. I'm not sure I should tell, but I'm going to. Uh, you can edit whole, it out later if you. Uh, <laughs> this uh, farmer's wife is looking out the back window and really disturbed. She calls her husband in, the, the old farmer. She says, come on in here. I need to talk to you. He says, all right. She said, you look out there. He said, now you look at that bull out there. He says, I'm looking. She says, well, that bull, I've been watching this bull. He has sex every day what's your problem and the old farmer looks out there and he goes well he's not always having sex with the same cow trash trash farmer <laughs> old mcdonald old by old mcdonald get out of here i'm just saying i you know <laughs> i i find i find great uh attraction in uh different women for different reasons you know it's like the the, the asian thing you know like mm-hmm. asians bring something to the table that no other race brings uh, it's mm-hmm. just 
it's kind of like this exotic type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, and you I know don't my- have experience. I don't. I can't even speak to that because I don't have experience with dating Asian women. So, but I imagine <laughs> culturally, you know, everybody kind of has like there's there's pros and cons. Um, yeah, you know, my my first wife was black. I love I black women. Wait, I think I did know that. I knew that. Yeah, first wife was black. Um, you know, the reason I married her was because I was just so attracted to uh, her skin. I mean, her eyes, her hands, especially. I mean, she had these beautiful, elegant hands. And one thing I was, I mean, one, one, once we were together, I mean, I would just, and I make fun of people for having foot fetishes, but black women, I love the way that the the palms of their hands are a lighter tone oh, than yeah, the back of their do. hands. Hey, I just find that so elegant. For it's those so of you beautiful. watching, yeah, it's like, whoa, 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 yeah. And my feet are super dark. My husband says I have village girl feet, but my feet are super dark. And the white, the bottoms of my feet are like white, white. So it's a stark contrast. If I had lotion, I would show you guys, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am a person of contrast. You know, I really like contrast because... Okay. It, it enhances the beauty of things like mm-hmm. it, just anything. I mean, in art, beauty comes from a contrast of one thing to the other. And right. I think in life, beauty comes from a contrast of one thing to another. I love to see interracial couples. I love to see uh, those sorts of things. And it's okay. just, I find it very attractive. Okay. So if That's I have cool. a type, it's a, it's some kind of contrast. Okay. So it's a contrast too. And you know, I think, um, like a lot of us choose our partners and have our preferences. Like it's a, it's a thing of psychology. It's just literally not, it's, it's so it's much more than skin deep, you know? Cause I'm sure you, I'm sure you've already put peel back the layers and asked yourself the why it's like, why, why do I like this? Why, why, you know, and question that some people don't, but I'm sure you've already done that to yourself. There, there are different types of attractions. There's the physical attraction. There's the, the spiritual attraction. There's the mm-hmm. emotional attraction. I mean, but I contrast is the thing wrong with um I think it blurs a line you know when people because I've heard some people say when I've when people have expressed their preferences I've heard some people challenge that as oh you're being racist I was like guys you like you, you can't really police where a person wants to lie their heart or other parts of their body um like <laughs> I'm like right. we're kind of taking it to a place where it's not fair it's not fair. And you're asking human beings to challenge their own um, outlooks and patterns and learned behaviors and cultural things. And a lot of us have cultural consequences. So it's cool that you can even say, I don't think there's anything wrong with that personally. It's cool that you, you can even say, okay, yeah, this particular, this is my type and this is why. Even my, my second wife, Diana, she was a white blonde haired woman. You say, okay, th- so what about your contrast theory there? Well, personality wise, she was from Philly and I was from some under rock, under some rock in, in Appalachia. <laughs> so there was lots of contrast. Yeah. She was well to do. I, the, the things that her family and she could afford and it was just like no big deal. Yeah. Which I'm not talking about like Mercedes Benz's and stuff. I'm just talking about, you know, she's driving a new Honda. I'm mm-hmm. driving a 20 year old Honda. <laughs> To me, that was like huge. Like, I, you're like, we I, are way culturally different, lady. Like, we 
I believe every family, every household has, has its own culture. I don't believe it. I know it. You know, they create it. Yeah. Absolutely. You create your own culture. Some of us are really open with letting people in ours. Oh, well, let me ask you about this. Since we're mm-hmm. talking about families creating their own culture, have you noticed that families create their own smell? Gym socks? Uh, <laughs> it might be. But, you know, you know, like when you met your husband, you would like bury your face in a sweater of his or something. And oh, even now, my, my husband under here, when I'm hugging him, because he's like a head taller than me, he's like six two. Sure. I, when I'm hugging him, I'm just like, mm, like right under here, he has like this distinct thing. But I don't think I smell like that. I don't. No, well, no, you don't smell like that, but you smell like you. And so when you come into the relationship, all these things combine and it creates something new. So if I were to, um, I don't know, let's say you want me to house sit your guys's house for a week while you mm-hmm. guys are in Jamaica. Uh-huh. I mean, I would detect a smell. I mean, I might not be able to consciously detect it, but yeah. if I go away for a few months and then you say, I'd like you to house sit my house again. And I come back, I go, oh, there's even that- unconsciously, there's that smell. So I have been to people's houses with this distinct and it's not a bad smell. Like it's not an odor, but right, I, yeah. I know what you mean. There's like a scent. It's um like distinctive of these group of people. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, like if I if I were to uh, come across one of my dad's old shirts, even now, and I haven't had any contact with my dad for years, but if I did, I guarantee that I would recognize that that smell. And like you say, it's not a it's not a stink. It's just a it's unique. Pheromone, right? Yeah, what do they call that in um, the perfume world? They call it a... I just said pheromone, Brian. Well, pheromones, yes. What do they call it? Do they call that in, in the perfume world? I think they call it a scent. They don't call it a smell. They call it a scent. Because pheromones, is that from human bodies? Yeah. It's usually used like in a sexual context. Like, you know, when you meet... Uh, yeah, like if you, if you meet somebody <laughs> of the opposite sex, I mean, you haven't even talked, but there's a definite electricity in the air Th- those are pheromones i thought the pheromones were like what my body emits and like well, it is it is and there is an odor to it i know there's certain fragrances that when i spray the perfume on me it's amazing and but if else sprays it on them it's not going to do the same because their pheromones mix differently i thought that's what it was okay but you're saying it's it's like sexy time well they've done studies all right so they've done studies of to see like what turns a woman on and they've done it for what turns a, a man on, but what Anything. they'll do is they'll... <laughs> air, yeah. water yeah, right. exists. <laughs> Wind. Well, your job is so much easier than mine. <laughs> Thank God. I am so they... not jealous of a man's job at all. Y'all have to do so much. I just literally have to show up. It's true. It's true. It is. And I take full advantage of being a girl. (laughs) A charming girl. A charming girl. girl. (laughs) They they take a girl into a room and they just flash images on a screen. They say, just watch the screen. And they had taken um, swabs of men's armpits and put them underneath the table that these women were sitting at. So then they, after the... uh, viewing these images, they filled out a questionnaire. The women who saw these images with the underarm sweat swab underneath the table filled out the questionnaire in much more sexual fashion. Like it was 
sexy. I, I was, it turned me on. I liked it. Oh yeah. Um, now, and the women who did not have the swabs did not do that. Brian, man must wait, let me be clear. Not like, Oh, I go to the gym and I'm wearing the same gym shorts for four days in a row. Right. That is funk. But like, the sexy human man must, especially like with my own husband, like that his is my absolute favorite, which is probably one of the reasons I married him. But yeah, I had a bottle of that. That's you could, yeah, for me though. I wouldn't sell it. Okay, well, now how much we talking? Because everything's for us. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to lock him up in the basement afterwards. I would. Oh, well. Imagine I mean, women walking down the street and passing your husband. One time we were out at a club and we were drinking and it was me and my homegirl here and he was standing, my husband was standing with our, our other homeboy right there and some girl walks past and squeezes his ass. I didn't see it because I'm like, when I go out, Brian, I'm like, hey. No kidding. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I didn't notice and I'm all aloof. And the girl, she was like, Naja, that girl just touched his ass and he didn't even move. And I was like, why did you just not move? He was like, I don't know. I, I I thought it was him. I was like, you thought it was Keith, really? So I was like, yeah. I, don't, I was like, dude, you knew. He was like, no, I didn't want you to say anything. I was like, well, she got her a handful, but okay. You know, one thing I learned, like, I don't like being all salesy on these things because people don't like. I hate the freaking sales. Oh, my name's Naja, and this is what I do. I'm just like, oh, because <laughs> one thing, people are gonna go find me if they want to talk to me anyway, or they want to know. Well, originally, I, you know, I was thinking I should probably write down a bunch of questions, ask her, and I said, no, no, I want this to be mm-hmm. natural. I want it to come about natural. Yeah. So I kind of feel that way, too. I, um, think, it, I, do, I think it's been a very natural conversation. I do, too. I do, too. I think our friendship comes through. Absolutely. And I, I really feel like that's the most important thing, because I'm just not some dud that you're, you found on the Internet that you're interviewing for your podcast to fill up space, you know? Right. No, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. No, I, I, I'm not filling up space with you. you you're, a, you're a special episode. Thank you so much. I would like to tell you that I'm still getting people who come to me. I, I found you from Naja Hall. And, you know, we did that a year, at least a year ago. But I think it's over. A, probably, yeah, probably like a year and a half ago. Right. Maybe two years. I think it's been two years. I'm pretty sure. I'm almost sure it was 2019, actually. So I'm hoping that maybe I can kind of return the favor here. Yes, um, yes. I'm, I'm so happy for you and your progress. Do you have 15 more minutes? Yeah. Okay. I'll fit what I can in 15 minutes. I won't take it beyond that. Nope. No long pauses. So... Anyway, I just said, I'm curious about this is just for fun. What okay. kind of connections have you made in New York City? I mean, I've seen you with uh, recently, I saw you with some celebrity ish person from uh, a TV show. You've been you've been on like Good Morning America or something. Oh, like yeah. That. Yeah. I've done all those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, blended family stuff, you know, um, especially when the election time was happening, because I am a stepmom and I have a platform specifically for stepmoms. You know, um, the journalists were calling, like, how do you feel about Kamala being a stepmom? And I'm just like, that's cool. That's her house. I 
But, you know, just for the purposes of getting bylines, it was dope uh-huh. for this New York. Oh, yeah. Football, Fox, Vox, Morning America, like all the big, big dogs called. And I got to got a chance to be featured in all of them. So that was so exciting. Mm-hmm. That was fun. So the reason I asked you what if you get nervous in these sorts of things is because mm-hmm. I saw a video of uh, Sylvester Stallone on YouTube. It was like a few weeks ago. And he says, yeah, he said, every time I go on camera, I get nervous. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been doing this for 50 years. Uh, so I was just curious about if you you kind of view things that same way. You know, Brian, you asked me when I came to New York, what was I doing? Um like I was doing dinner theater in Dallas, having to memorize lines, have to be on timing, working with other people, depending on them to deliver lines. That was so stressful to me. And when I got here, I realized, I was like, damn, not you moved all the way to New York uh, to be an actor and you're not that good at it. But what I found was my, t- my talent, Brian, was interactions just like this. I know how to be nausea so good. I think I got this thing down pat. So I don't get nervous when I'm not having to memorize and deliver like specific lines. If you put just me, being yourself, just being me. That's why I like personality work. You know, I can write my heart away. I can do an interview. I can talk to anybody, talk to pretty much everybody, all walks of life. Um, but if you give me a script, honey, hot mess. Right, right. Because you got to be some somebody. Yes. Um, you know. Uh, I mentioned Scott Adams earlier and I don't want to like yeah. blow uh, too much hot s- uh, smoke up his skirt because the reality <laughs> is I don't, I don't agree with everything he says, but he no, is one of those people where I rob, you know, certain insights from mm-hmm. and I discard the rest. And he I'm calls not that too a, familiar. You mentioned the, the cartoon, but I'm not too familiar with Gilbert, you know, the, it's the office. Yeah. I remember Gilbert back in the day, but I didn't really read it. So I'm not too familiar with any of his ideologies and stuff like that. Well, I think he's I'm an open-minded person. Oh, I think cool. he's a balanced, open-minded person. Yes, okay. he's a. Okay. It, it, for him, it's all about psych, psychology. Now he's a he's a trained uh, hypnotist, so his study of psychology is through like that hypnotist okay. uh, lens. But but he calls what you're talking about a talent stack. Mm-hmm. So okay. So what I'm doing right now, for example, was never my intention. Right. I had lots of other intentions that require me to develop certain talents for those things. Mm-hmm. But now when it, you get here to this point in my life, I can take the talents that I acquired from all of those other things and they work perfectly for what I'm doing now. Yes. And yes. he calls that a talent stack like okay. pancakes. Okay. And I, I think that's what you're talking about too. You know, like you were doing the I dinner like theater, you did the radio, you have this experience with your husband and his children mm-hmm. and, and it creates a talent stack for you that just fits a niche. Yeah. I am so good about talking about four particular things, honey. I can run circles around. <laughs> you know, there's four topics that I'm an expert in. Um, and I own those topics and I try to own those lanes and I try to make sure I know is I'm always in a state of learning. I'm always in a class. I'm always in a course. I'm always, you know, just looking for the next um piece of knowledge. So that's what helps me. Always a student. Those those are the type of people that I I most admire, the people who just um don't s- stop learning. And <laughs> you know, it's interesting that the people who don't stop learning, they seem to have kind of a knack well, they position themselves around other people who are as smart as them or as or smarter. Yes. so that they can grow. 
I move. I'm a really fast. I, I like fast paced stuff. Um, I learned. Oh, what, what are you doing with me? <laughs> well, you're gonna edit all these pauses out, honey. <laughs> but um, I, I like you said. I run with people that have like a a, a similar direction as me as well. So you know, I, I feel what you mean about that. Back in a church one time, the preacher man said he was like, "Honey, you." He didn't say, "Honey." I just said that. He was like, "He said sugar plum." Hey. He said, you ain't never seen chickens and eagles hanging out together. He was like, chickens don't fly. Chickens don't fly, and they're not going to let an eagle fly. And he was like, I was like, okay. I was like, that's that's a good southern country way. It makes me hungry. But I was like, that's a good way to put, you know, to just reframe, like, hey, upwardly mobile people are in that realm with, with the same, with similar. Like begets like, right? Yeah, well, you know, and the thing is, and this is what I kind of like to uh, highlight to my listeners, is that it's not a like a pretentious thing. It's more like they're not contributing to me. So right. it's not like you won't sit down and have tea with them or a coffee and and have a good conversation with them and really care about them. It's not that, we, right. that you don't care. It's that it's that in order for you to to, to have harmony and happiness and and growth in your life, you know the types of people you need to surround yourself with. Right. And the people you don't want to surround yourself with. Hey, you don't see chickens and eagles hanging together for a reason. That's right. That's right. It's not because the eagles, in the sky. it's not because we don't need chickens. Because they're very tasty. That's right. And their eggs are amazing. What do you think about Popeyes? The black community, my, my ex-wife, my first wife, mm-hmm. we would just rave about Popeyes. Uh-huh. So I said, well, it's got to be good then. And I said, what is this compared to Kentucky Fried Chicken has the better chicken? I just came from a family of grandmothers that cooked. And we didn't eat. It just felt like imitation. It felt like cheating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if I was like, my grandma can cook this under the table. And then um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. So for a long time in public, because of the negative stereotypes that came along with fried chicken, and even watermelon, I wouldn't even eat them in public. I would never eat Popeyes or KFC because I was like, I don't want, you know, growing up in the South, this stuff is embedded in your head. Now I'll devour it because now I, you know, I'm, 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 I don't care. But um, I hey, So would you say that, that the secret to that is being okay with yourself? Absolutely. Like if, if you're Absolutely. okay with it, who else has to, who, uh, who else matters? You know, one thing I learned is, Naja, you're not going to die. No one's, you're not, nothing's going to happen to you. You've done it and you're still breathing and it's totally okay. And you're happy. You're not hurting anybody. I was like, those are pretty much the principles that I live by. By the way, same thing happens to me when I go to Philly and I try to order squirrel or groundhog. (laughs) Same thing. They get on me. They give me the hardest time. And I just had to say, you know what? These people are like, am I hurting anybody? (laughs) Right. <laughs> in all seriousness though squirrel's very good i don't know if i'm ready for that i'm not on that level tree rat we call it it's I big saw, i saw on tiktok the other day brian there's a guy and you probably have already heard of this but it's new to me they crossbreed a chicken and a pigeon no yeah not, not in real life they can't do that in real life yeah yeah I think it's real. I went and looked it up. You crossbreed a chicken and a pigeon. And it's like this chicken pigeon looking thing. 
And his legs look Are you like serious? I just saw it last night. And I think I saved the video. I'll find the link and I'll see I don't it. think you can trust much of what you see on TikTok. Uh, I, Brian, I, now, it was like 2 a.m. when I was watching it. I'm thinking it's real. I think you can probably crossbreed a chicken and a pigeon. You can do it. Go look at what the things look like. They're the chicken pigeon. Well, I, I, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not saying that they can't. I mean, you can you can cross breed a uh, a tiger and a lion. You get a liger, liger or a tiger or a tie-in. Liger, liger. Okay, liger or a tie-in. Yeah, it depends. I think they name it. Oh, the girl, the female is a liger. That's so confusing. But um, and I didn't know broccoli. Did you know broccoli came from cabbage and something, something else? I forgot. No, I didn't, but I could take you into the woods. This is true. I could take you into the woods. Innocent. innocent I don't want any parts of any of you, that. You bring your husband. He's, you know, he that guy, you I've seen your husband. He could karate chop me into next <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> but um I could take you into the woods and I could show you guys wild carrot, Famous wild lettuce, words. wild all these things. And wild carrot, for example, I mean, you just, it grows everywhere. You pull it up by the root and it is carrot. The the carrot you buy in the grocery store comes from that carrot. They like shave it down or something? Or? No, they, they selectively bread it until you have the carrot that is or- the, the wild carrot is one, white. Right. right. The one wild in the grocery carrot store is, is white. white. Yes. I've and never seen that. And it's very stringy, and um, but I mean, it it you bite into it, and it is carrot. Um, you must same be thing. super healthy, like with this this diet. You must be really healthy. I really am, and I'm pretty amazing. I mean, everybody <laughs> should really admire me. Exactly man. like you. You're like do exactly what I do. <laughs> no, but I mean, this is like stuff that gets just gets passed along in Appalachia. You know that. Yeah. My grandpa showed my dad, showed me. Should. So okay. you kind of grow up around it. That's all that stuff I got. All right. We have five minutes. Okay. I hate talking about myself when you're sitting right here in front of me and I want to get everything <laughs> I can in. How do you feel about all this? Do you feel like we covered things well? Oh, I thought you were uh We talked about so much. I just heard the watch beep and I promised that I would have you off here in time okay. to, to go be with your family. Um, you're the, one of the most pleasant people I ever talked to. And, you know, we don't talk all that often, but when we do, we make it count. We make it count. We, we get it in and we like, we hash it out. We talk about everything. I'm so glad you had me on today. I really appreciate it. And I hope that, um, the people that are listening to this, I hope they got something out of it. If anything, now, you know, there's a cool girl out there in the world named Naja Hall that exists. So look me up and say hello and let me know. Um, you met me through Brian. The, the coolest. Now, I'm going to go ahead and turn this off, and I'm just going to say goodbye to Najika, and I don't want you guys to hear all the mushy stuff I got. <laughs> so, hang on just a second.